Welcome to The Nine Line, your news and information source for healthcare-related issues impacting Southern Nevada veterans, and a production of the VA Southern Nevada Healthcare System. And now, here's your hosts, John Archiquette and Joshua Gray. Hi, welcome to the Nine Line Podcast. I'm your host, John Archiquette, and joining me is my co-host, Joshua Gray. Hello, John. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. A um, little hoarse. I don't know if you can still hear it in my voice. Yeah, uh, a little bit. You've been yelling a lot? I might have gone to the Golden Knights game uh, game five last week. Yeah, lucky. And, lucky. You know, for those who are, who are listening in the future, um, by game five, I mean round two, game five against the Edmonton Oilers, <laughs> which we won in a resounding fashion. Um, I might have been a little bit vocal during that game. So. That's good. That's what you should be, right? You know, and I, I always love starting the show off with some sports or something like that. And fortunately, we have a show today that is going to be pretty much all sports. Yep. I like and, that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So joining us today, we have Everett Lowry, and he is the number number of job titles, but he is the program manager for Adaptive Sports here at the VA. He is also um, the recreational therapy uh, manager, correct? Yes. A um, lot, of, lot of hats, as yes. you said. <laughs> so welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me. And I'm, I'm uh, really excited about talking about all the programs that we have developed and then stuff we're working towards. I mean, we're really excited to have you on here because uh, for those who have listened to the show in the past, um, I spent you know, last summer working on a lot of the adaptive sports programs and um, creative arts festival um, it's something that's kind of near and dear to our hearts here. Um, you know, such a, a positive way for, for veterans to get involved, um, mm-hmm. you know, really take fitness and, and health into their own hands. For sure. And, um, you know, one of the most positive things that the VA uh, has to, to display for the work that we do. So um, really excited to have you on the show. Thank you. Um, you're relatively new to the VA here, right? Yes. Yeah, so I'll actually hit year nine tomorrow. My SCD is May 19th, so I'm happy about that. Uh, I've worked a couple different duty stations before I got here. I came here in March of last year, so a little over a year. Um, they, there was a, uh, not sure exactly how long, but they were without a program manager, program coordinator, excuse me, for at least a year, if not longer. There was a person that came in for a very brief period of time. So it'd been a couple of years where uh, they didn't have that. And my chief um, was, talk about hats, she she wears a ton of them, and she was juggling that as well. So when I came in, there was a number of different things I had to work on. Um, <clears throat> but I came here in March, came from the Seattle VA where I was solely, well, we were spinal cord injuries, so we had new injuries, uh, inpatient, but we did a lot of adaptive sports. And of course, we did other forms of therapy, community reintegration and so forth, and went to a couple of the games. And then COVID hit, and I was the primary. I was a really the primary RT for about a year. My other coworker got sent to another department, so I was able to go to New York. Um, and then when I came here, it was just too late for Arizona coming here in March and then obviously not seeing any patients. Um, so I did a couple that did a, did that. We did a huge adaptive sports program from ski buckets to recumbents to hand cycles to gun mounts, you name it. I'm very, very thankful to the team in Seattle. I learned a, a, a lot there. There's some great therapists there. So I brought that here. And that was something that during the interview, Dr. Cheatham, my chief, 
expressed that interest that we had that need there for adaptive sports and rec therapy and 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 leadership so what brought you to vegas then i mean what, what was the appealing thing to leave seattle and do you just not like rain or like well <laughs> 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 what brought you here well it's funny when i moved to seattle i lived in florida in the south most of my life and uh, hence hence the, the little twang that i've got and seattle you know everybody says it rains all the time it actually my first year it wasn't too too bad uh, but the rain there is a little weird it'll rain for like a week so I'm a Florida boy, you know, it rains really hard for 20 minutes. You can't see 10 feet in front of you. And then the sun comes out and it's deathly hot. But Seattle, yeah, and the summers are really great there. So f it's kind of funny. I It was during COVID and, and Seattle was very much shut down. And the flights here were very inexpensive and hotels were just really, really inexpensive. And I came here with my girlfriend at the time and I was having lunch in just a really brief area, or short in the story. I was having lunch at the Tuscany Suites, and I see this guy with an army hat, and I'm, you know, thanking for a service no different than I would with any other veteran. And uh, he said, today's my retirement day. I was like, oh, that's cool. I said, were you stationed here? I didn't even know it was the Air Force Base. You know, mm -hmm. He's like, I'm Army. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, my fault. Sorry about that. You know, I don't live here. I'm a tourist. And he says, no, I retired from the Las Vegas VA. And I thought, oh, there's a VA here. And it wasn't even on my map. You know, we were in a different vision. And uh, we would typically communicate with Palo Alto being more spinal cord. So it got on the radar for me. And I wanted to, I wanted to move not only up uh, professionally from a um, position standpoint, but what I was doing. So when, we, when the position came out and I applied for it and Dr. Cheatham and was talking to me about it in the interview, it just checked all those boxes for me. And, you know, on a personal note, Seattle's the cost of living is pretty much consummate with like San Francisco and that area. So I know that the cost of living has gone up for you folks that were here 20 years ago. Oh, gosh, I wish I was. Um, but it was a little more affordable for me to come here as well. And I, and I don't like the rain. <laughs> <laughs> so what got you into rec therapy? Um, so my, my mother had a... Um, so my mother had a cancer diagnosis and I moved back in with her and was helping her and help run her business. And we were, she had surgery, so we did therapy together, number of therapies. And I had a, an injury where I was in a wheelchair and I had a pretty significant in, injury to my, uh, my right leg. They said, you never play basketball, never walk right again. And it got me interested in the therapy field. And I was going to school at Western Carolina University, which has a lot of outdoor leadership programs. And I had, I uh, had some uh, friends that were in the rec therapy program, they were doing more of Eckerd Youth Alternative, things like that. And that interested me. I said, oh, outdoor leadership, get paid to kind of go camping, go fishing, that's fun. And that got me interested in RT, very much experiential education and things like that. Unfortunately, the, the job, well, fortunately for me, <laughs> the job market's a bit different than what I thought it was. And I worked private sector for many years before I got in with the VA. But that's what got me interested in, you know, I felt like rec therapy was an opportunity to help people and kind of have fun along the way. And some RTs are, have a bit of an aversion to this, and I don't. I feel like it should kind of be fun along the way while we're helping people. So, you know, rec therapy, a lot falls under that. You know, mm -hmm. there's adaptive sports and mm -hmm. sports programs, but also painting and, and other kind of arts and, and therapy mm -hmm. uh, things. Uh, talk a little bit about the role that those things play in, in recovery efforts. Because when I think of like VA care, I think mm -hmm. of people seeing the doctor. Sure. I think of people having an operation, a surgical procedure or something like that. I don't think of using archery, for example, mm -hmm. as a way to kind of get back, uh, you know, get back going again. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a two-folded question. So the uh, let me talk about the adaptive sports part first so my position i'm over i'm over all the rec therapy here 
behavioral health side and physical medicine and rehab side. So the archery would be things that I'm looking for uh, functional gains. Uh, so I'd be gearing it more towards my physical rehab patients. Not that someone that has a behavioral health diagnosis couldn't um, uh, w- wouldn't help them. So when I'm doing archery, I'm looking at pinch strength. I'm looking at um, I'm, I'm looking at how well they can hold it. Can they sit up? Do they have core strength? So those are kind of the things that I would be skilling people on and working towards them being able to be independent. So my vision for any clinic here is at some point you'll be able to have to, to shoot the bow by yourself. And when we get to the games, you're going to have to shoot the bow by yourself. So I've worked that that's my goal, whether they would go to the games or even if they wouldn't say they wouldn't meet criteria for that, but they always wanted to, they used to shoot, you know, um, have, they were interested in archery, used to shoot bow and arrow for years, but they lost an arm, you know, in service. So how do we adapt it? How can I make that where they can do it and then get to the model where they can do it by themselves? Same thing with cycling and things like that. So my goal is always the highest level of independence. So from the art standpoint, more of a creative expression that would fall a little bit more on the behavioral health side. Uh, again, not that someone that lost their arm, say hey, I used to paint, you know, and, and I want to learn how to paint again. So how do we adapt it? Do I get larger brushes? Do I, if they have poor pinch strength, do we use Velcro? Things like that would be more of the adaptive end. But so on the behavioral health side, I also oversee the recreational therapists that work the residential treatment program. It's a 45-day program as well as our acute uh, behavioral health. So we'd look at art therapy two different ways. In the acute health, acute behavioral health, you know, these vets, they need help getting through the day. We're not looking at a month, a year down. We just need to get through the day because some crisis had them admitted here. So what is it that can help them alleviate their stress, alleviate their anxiety? Whereas residential treatment, we might do something more along the lines of an experiential education of say, okay, we're going to paint a picture of what our what our life was in active addiction, and we're going to paint a picture of what our life, what we feel like our life could be if we reduce the stressors and we're not using, say, drugs or alcohol as our number one leisure option. And then as an RT, we would process that. And then how would we implement it so you would be independent and not have to come back to the hospital? I want to touch back on uh, something you brought up and kind of glossed over. Um, You spent a significant amount of time in a wheelchair. Well, I spent some time in a wheelchair. So I did, I had a lower, I had an open fracture of my lower leg. So open fracture, I'm not a nurse. So that's why I didn't go into nursing because of bodily fluids. The open fracture, the bone does not break through the skin, although I was pretty darn close. So I broke my tibia and fibia completely. And uh, yeah, it wasn't fun. It wasn't fun. Have a rod in my leg and had a couple surgeries. So I was in a wheelchair and then I was, uh, you know, walker and crutches. And I was told you'll never play basketball again. You'll never be able to run again. You'll walk with a limp. And I'm old now. I don't play basketball anymore, but I did all those things. And I just told myself that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. So, um, and this was the year after my mother uh, had a cancer diagnosis, and we did therapies together, a number of different therapies uh, together. So I felt like that gave me a great degree of empathy. Not that I can compare my life journey to any of these veterans. I'm a civilian. You know, I can't, I don't know what it's like to lose your leg in battle and things like that. But I know what it's like to have to use the bathroom and get in the bathtub by yourself with a cast that goes the length of your leg. So I feel like I felt like that gave me a, a good understanding of what people are going through, uh, particularly with lower leg injuries. And uh, I still, you know, it's it, 
that's another reason I left Seattle. It hurts when it rains. So, uh, you know, when I came here, I said, oh, dry climate, heat, you know, my legs respond well to that. But, yeah, it was a, it was a tough experience for me, very humbling, um, and it's something that I don't wish on my worst enemy. You mentioned that when, you know, you went through your injury, you, mm-hmm. you kind of committed yourself to, oh, that's not going to happen. I'm going to play basketball again. I'm sure. going to do all these things again. Um, what role does that play in your job now when you have these, you have folks that are going through catastrophic things or mm-hmm. life-altering things, and, and you also, you're not just... Uh, trying to get them to do a thing, but you've got to also kind of coach them through it and and mm-hmm. and uh, almost be be kind of a, a psychologist. And you've got to mm-hmm. you know you, get, you got to get the mind right too to mm-hmm. go and, and do all these things. Mm-hmm. So as a therapist, we and I say we, I hold myself to an I statement. I feel like we we balance. Uh, you typically have kind of two pa- two patients, ones that you feel like you need to motivate and ones that you have to pull back. And I get both. And, you know, God bless every one of these veterans here. They're warriors, you know, and all of them, it comes out at some point where I'm like, we're not doing personal training, we're doing therapy. Now we might kind of balance in between. So um, most of my patients don't require much motivation, which makes my job easier. However, right now in preparation for the games, there really hasn't been someone here doing this. So I'm doing a number of different offsite clinics that's all new to them. So I've asked them to keep an open mind. I'm also a certified adaptive fitness instructor. Um, so I'm trying to provide um, programs that they'll be well suited to participate in the more physical uh, events in the games, powerlifting and adaptive fitness. I don't think we'll move the needle much. Strength training is more of a lifestyle than something that you just prepare for in a few weeks, but it's a foundation that I'm trying to provide for them now. And you want to see some some driven, motivated people, go to the wheelchair games and watch some wheelchair rugby. <laughs> yeah, and I have a rugby player that's going this year. Oh, fantastic. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Good. Yeah. So we're going to take a quick break, but uh, when we come back, we're going to talk a lot about the wheelchair games because that's something that's uh, really exciting. You're listening to The Nine Line, a production of the VA Southern Nevada Healthcare System. We'll be back with more right after this. It'd be great if life came with remote control. You know, you could hit pause when you needed to, or hit rewind, like that time you knocked down that wasp's nest. Uh-oh. Well, life doesn't always give you time to change the outcome, but pre-diabetes does. With early diagnosis and a few healthy changes, you can stop pre-diabetes before it leads to type 2 diabetes. To learn your risk, take the one-minute test today at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. In the pretend universe, kids play with pretend guns. In the real world, it's up to us to make sure they don't get their hands on a real gun. If you have a gun in the house, keep it locked, unloaded, and stored separately from ammunition. Safe gun storage saves lives. Learn how to make your home safer at nfamilyfire.org. That's nfamilyfire.org. Brought to you by N Family Fire, Brady, and the Ad Council. A Shiro's work is never done. You care for the house, the kids, and our future. We're so grateful for all you do. Now, it's time to care for yourself and save a little more for retirement. A free three-minute online chat can give you the personalized tips you need to boost your retirement savings now. Visit aceyourretirement.org today. 
a public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Welcome back to The Nine Line, Southern Nevada's source for veteran-related healthcare news and information. Here's your hosts, John Archiquette and Joshua Gray. Welcome back to the Nine Line Podcast. John and Josh here with Everett from Rec Therapy and the Adaptive Sports Program here at VA Southern Nevada Healthcare System. It's cool saying that because prior to you getting here, we didn't really have a lot of an adaptive sports program. Mm-hmm. Um, Josh and I worked at the wheelchair games last year in Tempe, and while it's been a little bit different post COVID, um, you know they had the the New York and the the Tempe games in 2021, 2022, mm-hmm. but both of those were a lot smaller. Mm-hmm. Um, they had to modify a lot of the events to accommodate for social distancing, for masking, for, you know, we had a test every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was just a lot different. This year is going to be the first year where they really are getting back to the, the pre-COVID numbers, the pre-COVID mm-hmm. events. Um, it's going to be up in Portland in July, and I will be going out to that. I'm very excited for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I was saying, we didn't really have a huge presence. Now, last year, the only veteran that we had come from Las Vegas to the wheelchair games was Dan Kaminsky. Mm-hmm. Um, he's now passed away. Um, he was a, a cherished member of the community here. He was also the president of the local PVA chapter. Mm-hmm. And um, he was always very active in getting PVA members involved, but there wasn't a lot of involvement from the, the local VA here. Mm-hmm. Um, now this year, you have pretty much from the ground up built a wheelchair team. Tell us a little bit about that. So, um, you know, I came in and I had certain expectations that my chief and I had talked about when I came on board. And I've always felt like that's been a strength of mine is building programs. So, you know, when you asked me what got me here, when I saw the posting and I had the interview, I felt like a lot of it was within my wheelhouse. Building programs, everybody has their strengths, and I felt like that's a strength of mine. So my chief gave me kind of a soft deadline of kind of when to have a a team. And so I I said, well, we're going to get one before that. And initially, I would have had a team earlier, but I did, uh, the consult portal that I managed, I wasn't getting a lot of seated athletes. So I was getting a lot of behavioral health consults. So I started getting more seated athletes. And uh, I'm a, all about building relationships, and I've learned that throughout my career p- prior to getting to the VA. So I reached out to local chapter PVA. Didn't get a che- I did meet Dan, and it's a very small chapter, by the way. And um, luckily, I've been able to work with a few of the other members. So now I'm involved with them. I'm in their monthly meeting. They want to have their meeting back on site that they used to have. So I'm working with all of them. Um, and really, that the chapter didn't really, they haven't really done the games. So when I was talking with them of what the PVA provided in Seattle, a lot of it was new information. So it's a little tough for me because I'm asking an entity to give us not us, but, you know, pay to fly people and all that. So, you know, we all talked about it. We came to a good understanding. So I feel like, okay, I have backing there. Let me see, you know, how many people I can get. And and um, as I started with my adaptive clinic, I run the RT Cycling here, which is recumbent trikes. It's three-wheel bikes. You probably, if anybody that's ever come to the VA, you see us kind of riding around. And when it rains, it pours. So there was quite a bit of pressure prior to me coming here. Uh, it's kind of behind the scenes pressure for adaptive sports equipment and adaptive sports clinics. And once it kind of the word got out and veterans start talking, I'm getting a lot of different needs. 
veterans coming in for multiple needs. So then I'm educating on what the games are, um, and not just the National Veterans Wheelchair Games, but as well as Golden Age Games and Summer Sports Clinic and things like that, Winter Sports Clinic. So I'm educating them. This is what's out there. So I'm getting my new patient, and I'm educating them on our the, our care model here. Our care model is here as we take care of you till you're gone. And, um, you know, these are the things that, that are out there. And if you never want to participate, that's fine. But if you want to, the, you know, this is how we can make it happen. And it was really shocking how much positive feedback that I was getting from vets that want to participate. Maybe not this year. Maybe not the wheelchair games. Maybe summer sports clinic, depending on their leisure needs. You know, I have one person that's a mountain climber, and he lost his leg. He hasn't gone mountain climbing since he lost his leg. Summer sports clinic's right in his wheelhouse because there's a lot of that there. He like He's an outdoors guy. He's from Hawaii. I'm like, okay, giddy up. That makes a lot more sense. Go to summer sports clinic. So um, recent amputees, my population here is more of an amputee population than a spinal cord population. So they just start coming out. And, and uh, I actually had a pretty large team initially when I was signing up for the games, but I've had a few that have had some setbacks. So I, we've had to drop our team down a bit. Um, that's all right. We'll, we'll, we'll get them there next year. I want them healthy. I want them happy and healthy before we go. Uh, but I have full support of the local chapter, the PVA, Jason Kelly, the sporting director has, has been in full support. We've developed, we're developing jerseys, we're developing logos. So I had to pick a team name and I had to pick it on the fly. So I was working with, um, Christine. She, she's kind of in charge of the game. She's out of the Seattle VA. I've worked with her before. So I said, I need a team name. So she, you know, we're talking and initially kind of thinking about something that's kind of gambling related. I said, well, well, you know, we're one of two VAs that treat for gambling addiction. Probably not a good idea. <laughs> so on the fly, I'm literally looking outside my window and I see a roadrunner. So I said the Las Vegas Roadrunners. So that's how we came up with the team name. And Jason's really happy about it. So uh, we should have jerseys uh, for our team. And, and that's kind of how we started. I think Jason was my first to sign up and like I said I had I think I had like 12 at one point which is I think pretty good pretty big for a first timer and then we had some setbacks so um, working with the PVA has been a great help that's awesome and you mentioned some of the other events that uh, that we have going on you know the summer sports clinic is coming up actually in two weeks in San Diego mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the winter sports clinic is just you know just over the hill in Aspen mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, the Golden Age Games, Creative Arts Festival, those mm-hmm. tend to move around a little bit. But, yeah. you know, there's a lot of events that, that veterans can take part in. You know, being in Las Vegas, like, we're pretty centrally located to, to a few of them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Winter and Summer Sports Clinic, they're both driving distance away, you know, depending right. on how right. you feel about road trips. Sure. Um, you know, there's a lot of great opportunity for veterans to participate in those. Um, you know, working with the PVA with the wheelchair games, that's kind of – no pun intended. That's their wheelhouse, you know. One hundred percent. That's you know that's the event that they sponsor, that they put on, and and they have you know do a great job of helping veterans to get to those events. Um, what, what hesitation do you see with local veterans, or, or how hard was it to get the word out to some of these other events? I wouldn't say that it was hard. I just don't necessarily. I wouldn't say that I had a great network to reach out to everyone. So I was basically reaching out to vets as they would come through my consult portal with different adaptive needs. So right now, Jason and I, you know, we're building. We're building this and it's it's a baby, but it's gonna grow. And I I know there's a lot of pressure um, 
for people out there. Right now, I'm really concentrating on the Summer Sports Clinic and the National Veterans Wheelchair Games. And I have no aversion to the Winter Sports Clinic. I just, with typically... Um, we're a spoke for spinal cord injury, so we have some spinal cord patients, but most of the patients that I'm getting through don't like the cold weather. So <laughs> it doesn't mean that we wouldn't field a team for that, but also San Diego, what I like about both of the other clinics is it's shorter. So you made the, you made the mention of a road trip. So if Johnny and his wife and his daughter want to go to the winter sports clinic, it's a long weekend. For someone with a spinal cord injury to fly, say, to New York, that's a really it's a really big task. I mean, there's a lot of behind the scenes things you have to do prior to even getting on the airplane. So and it's a week in a hotel and from a care standpoint, you know, do they have a caregiver? There's a lot of other moving parts. So that's why I'm trying to trying to balance the summer sports clinic. We won't be going this year, but we will for next year. Because if they want to do a long weekend to San Diego, four or five hours, they can bring their kids, they could bring their family, their family could be doing things while they, they could actually be at the events where it's a little different with the wheelchair games. So um, that's how I'm balancing uh, those two. And it's a, it's a little easier to get to San Diego and have things uh-huh. to do around in San Diego. I Agreed. know from, from being in Aspen, you're at the Snowmass Village, mm-hmm. and everything is really centered around the sports activities there. Right. So I can understand where, from a family standpoint, it would be a lot more difficult to, to find activities for them to do if they're not skiers or snowboarders. You know? Exactly. Um, yeah. And it is more expensive to rent all the equipment and things like mm-hmm. that. So I, I totally understand from that standpoint. You know, San Diego's got a lot of other things to do, mm-hmm. and you're you know you're going to be staying and you know right in front of the the bay where they have all of the, uh, the historical ships, and mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of stuff to do there. Sure. So totally understand from that standpoint. Um, it'd be awesome if we could get some veterans to come down to the San Diego uh, Summer Sports Clinic. Oh, we year. will. We'll be there next year. I already have several set up for next year um, that were going to be on my team for this year for the games. And then when we kind of went through everything, two of them had setbacks. But but we already have a plan. Uh, once I get back from the wheelchair games, uh, then I start preparing for summer sports clinic because that registration would come up before, typically before the wheelchair games. Um, so I'll be reaching out to those those vets. I have some older vets that I think would be great mentors for the younger vets as well. Um, I just got a new patient on my caseload, but she um, – she, she's a special athlete that was uh, that's performed at other games that I'm happy to have here that will be going to the games with us next year. She's going with her old VA this year, but we're family. She's going to go with us next year. You mentioned that uh, you're, you're currently undergoing training for the wheelchair games coming up. What are some of the events mm-hmm. that you're training folks on? Mm-hmm. And, and what are some of the challenges of, of doing that? Because there are some events like power soccer that requires specialized equipment. Um, and if you only have like one person going up for wheelchair rugby, how do you train them on what to expect and, and how to play the game when it's just them? Excellent question, and it is a something that is very fluid right now. So I'll kind of look at my old model in Seattle and here. So here, the great thing is it's my baby, and I'm just creating on the fly. So here, I'm doing adaptive power lifting. I have a clinic later today. Um, so I have two people that signed up for power lifting. Truth be told, I would have preferred them sign up for adaptive fitness, but that's okay. So we're doing adaptive power lifting. I also have a few that have signed up for shooting, so I'm in the process of finding a location for that. One of the veterans that's, that was going to go on the team was going to reach out 
to some of the some of the shooting ranges and he had better connections politically which obviously i can't solicit uh and he said he would take care of that so he's working on that next year will be fine i don't have any rifles or pistols but i'll reach out we'll get those for next year seattle i had all that equipment um we would do boccia practices table tennis practices things like that the competitive sports practices basketball rugby things like that and for example i had a d1 player he travels all over the country um in seattle and he was actually on fox and did a did a clinic at the at, in new york we really didn't do a lot of that from an rt perspective because they had teams and locations now henderson city of henderson does have a pickup game on wednesdays probably next year if i i don't have anybody doing um those events except for rugby um I don't have anybody doing basketball this year, which they're going to have football, which I think is amazing. But um, so next year when we get it, I will have basketball players. I will organize something, whether it be they go down and play pickup. I'll organize something for those those competitive events. But for uh, let's say they wanted to participate in cornhole, which is new this year, which I think is great. I just love how the games just not to get off topic, how you have things that are just uber sport athletic that you really have to be a big time athlete to participate in like the rugby and basketball to cornhole mm -hmm. i mean to boccia and it is shocking when you go to the games how popular boccia boccia is an incredibly popular mm -hmm. event there it's incredible to shooting so it just really evens the playing field for all the vets so i as as i tend to do practices on more of the less athletic events with the exception of the powerlifting. So um, the shooting, because the, the rules of the games, I cannot provide leadership to them once they start shooting. I can't, I can't. So uh, we used to try to attempt to simulate the obstacle course. If you've ever seen that, it's absolutely an amazing event, slalom course, but you don't know what the course is gonna be. So we would try to do stuff. So I work with some other teams. I have a great, great therapy department. I work with KT, OTPT. Next year, as we get closer, if we get some folks that are doing power slalom or manual slalom, we'll develop something. It won't be to the degree it's at the games, but it'll give them an idea. And I know baseline things that they have to say, they have to maintain a wheelie for a minute. I know all those things. So. Um, I'll be working on those, but right now I'm doing, I'm, I'm hopeful that I have shooting. I've already started adaptive powerlifting a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of events that are out there mm -hmm. and I'm sure, you know, you probably <laughs> are trying to find ways to simulate that. I mean, the slalom, like you said, I mean, that's, it's something that's so cool to see in person. It's, mm -hmm. it's really like an obstacle course for a wheelchair and mm -hmm. it's things that you wouldn't expect being an able-bodied person looking at would be that difficult, but I mean, like the airbag, like trying to wheel yourself across an airbag or, mm -hmm. you know, a it's very sandbox. challenging. Mm -hmm. um, pull yourself up a ramp. Yes. Yeah, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So they do some really incredible stuff. Those are always fun events to watch. Of course, the wheelchair rugby, like we said, mm -hmm. um, that's, that's incredible. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. The best way to simulate that might be to, to throw yourself in a bumper car pit because <laughs> mm -hmm. that's essentially go play in traffic or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's a lot of fun to watch and I, and I'm sure the, the practices are exciting and I'm, I'm excited to see how our team does out there. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm excited to see how it grows. Um, I know that, uh, you know, with, with more veterans that we get, uh, especially some of the, the people who are going to be joining our team next year, uh, mm -hmm. Our basketball team should be pretty good. <laughs> we should, and you know, all those competitive sports, swimming, all that's classified uh, classifications. Yeah. So 
you know, that's when I that's when the coach in me comes out. So if John Smith comes to me and he's never done rugby, he goes, I want to do rugby. Well, we ain't going to do it. Well, I don't think we're going to do it at the games for the first time, mm-hmm. you know. So that's why we classify people. And just like wheelchair basketball, if you're a D3, you know, only a D3 can sub for a D3. So there's all these classifications. So And that just comes from practice and playing. And, you know, our end, my end as RT is I can help you with the equipment you know, and we can get you started. So that's why, that's what I get at, like that anybody can do cornhole, but mm-hmm. not everybody can do basketball. Doesn't mean that, that John couldn't do it next year, you know, at the games, but I don't want to throw him in where he's played once at the Y, you know, and that's why they're pretty stringent, like swimming. Some of those things, they're pretty stringent on classifications. They have to have participated at a certain level before. But as you said, I mean, there there is something for everybody. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, it, whereas the the wheelchair games is a, a pretty competitive mm-hmm. event. Um, you know, golden age games is all veterans over the age of fifty five. Mm-hmm. They break those ages down into categories, so you're not going to be, you know, if you're ninety two years old, you're not competing against a fifty six year old. Right. Um, although last year there was a ninety two year old out there who was doing phenomenal in track. That's um, awesome. This dude was such an inspiration. So. There's, you know, there is something for all abilities, all ages, you know, all levels of, of competition, mm-hmm. you know, between these events. So, and you know, while the the summer sports clinic is closing this year, the the registration is closed. Uh, you know, next year we will be advertising those when they when they open. Um, if you you know keep tra- keep listening to our, our podcast, watch our social media accounts because as those come up, um, I do post those. We we make sure we share those. And I'm sure you know with your involvement with with your program and with the veterans you work with. I'm sure the uh, hopefully the the social network that is <laughs> veteran conversations will you know, hopefully you know, keep keep people up to date with those. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I also do want to mention we touched on it briefly the mm-hmm. Creative Arts Festival. Yep. Um, you know we did our first one locally last year uh, with some of your team, mm-hmm. and that was a, a good success. We want to make sure we can help grow that this year. So uh, September 18th is actually going to be the date for this year's local Creative Arts Festival. So, okay. Um, there'll be more once the handbook comes out. We'll send out some more advertisements for that. So uh, keep looking at our, our our Facebook page, our Facebook page, and our social media accounts uh, for more information on that. Because we'll be working kind of hand in hand with your team on uh, you know getting those the, those artists recognized. That's great. Yeah, I was able to go to that last year. You know, shortly after I started here, and full disclosure, I was unaware of it. So I, again, I think it's great. You have people that you know like we said maybe the sporting thing's not their thing but they're able to do that so that's great um hopefully uh, i'm sure we'll have plenty of submissions this year awesome well everett thank you so much for joining us this mm-hmm. week we really appreciate it sure and uh hopefully we'll we'll see uh, our veterans come home with some medals in a couple of weeks we hope so mm-hmm. all right well, and thank you everyone for listening we will see you in two weeks you've been listening to the nine line a production of the va southern nevada Healthcare system for more information about what the VA is doing for Nevada's veterans, check out our official webpage at www.lasvegas.va.gov or follow us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Las Vegas VA. Thanks for listening. <laughs>